Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield. This is a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. And a very happy Labor Day to you, Chad. Um, Very nice to have this Monday off. How are you doing? How are you spending your Labor Day? I am spending the this Labor Day, and thank you, happy Labor Day to you as, as well, Noah. I'm spending it podcasting with you and relaxing and watching a bit of uh Middlesbrough Sunland right now off to the to the side as we record this podcast but yeah I can't be happier because we're top of the league we played Hull City yesterday and it looked like for most parts the game was like watching paint dry and we ran away two nil winners in the end it was a comfortable win I mean it was scrappy at times but yeah it was a good a good comfortable win and i'm you know i'm happy how are you Noah? i'm doing really well it's been an absolutely brilliant weekend uh woke up yesterday did the live stream on the chef united way with you great result obviously for united went to a film jumped in the pool for a bit you know had a drink in my hand relaxing and went out last night it was it's been a lovely absolutely lovely weekend um, and it was really nice not to have to go into work today. So uh, just a quick, I, for those who don't know, I work in the field of organized labor. I work for a labor union and um, just a quick shout out to all of our forefathers who fought so hard for the rights and privileges that we get to experience as laborers in the United States. You know, we still have a long way to go, but a credit to all those who came before us. Uh, and we get to enjoy the day off. So, um, yeah, fantastic match yesterday. I mean, it was boring at times, but you know what? A 2-0 away win at Hull. I mean, you love to see it. You take away from that what you will. But, yeah, it was cagey at times, I thought. Um, there were spells where just nothing was happening. We just would concede possession, win back possession, concede possession, um, and not really get it into their attacking third. They wouldn't get it into our attacking third. The the majority of the game felt like it was played in that middle third, huh, Chad? Yeah, it was box to box for like, I don't know, what would you say, like 75 minutes? It was just box to box, you know, passing it here, losing. Both teams would lose possession. I mean, it wasn't a game to put on the highlight film be like oh look at how good we were no it was you know we ground it out and it's what promotion teams need to do i'm stealing this from in good nick he's he says this a lot on his uh on chef united way like reviews and previews like we need promotion teams go and get this you know go and grind this win out and that's what we did because i almost feel like last year if we were in this position, we would have probably come away with a draw. It would have been a one-one draw or a nil-nil draw, just because we couldn't score last year. This at, like at the beginning of the season. So the fact that we were able to, you know, grind it out and get two goals, and then you look at it like once we got that second goal, it was like okay, game's over. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to have. I don't even know if they what well, they had like three shots on goal, probably two shots on goal, and one of them or probably both of them came on that double save from West. So, I mean, they really didn't trouble us and it's like, okay, this is, uh, this is what we've been looking for. This is good. Let's keep, you know, let's keep this going. Let's, let's have more of this in the league. And I like where we are. And that's really weird. Cause if anybody knows me from listening to these podcasts, 
I'm optimistic Chad this year instead of pessimistic Chad. So <laughs> although I did change I did change my prediction from 3-0 to 1-0 yesterday before the game and you know I split the difference it ended up 2-0. So I mean I was right around it but yeah it was just I I woke up yesterday and had a I had a weird feeling like this is going to be one of those grinded out games and I said it leading up to the match and sure enough that's how it was but luckily enough we got two goals. Yeah, and I, you were absolutely spot on with they had three shots on target in this game, Hull City, and two of them were on that brilliant double save from Wes Fodderingham. Yeah, yeah. Hint, hint who my man of the match might be, but, you know, because uh, I think he deserves it after he shat himself a couple weeks, after he pooed himself a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right you are. I, I think Wes had, you know, a very good game, obviously. Just the one real highlight from him, the one moment of brilliance that we will get to in a little bit. But yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty comfortable for him, you know, only really grabbing balls off of corners and free kicks in the box. And, um, you know, he didn't even have a punch out. Everything was super comfortable for him throughout the game, except for that one moment. And like I said, we will talk about that in a little while. But the first real chance of this one actually came to Hull as in the third minute off a long throw from Callum Elder on the left-hand side from a Hull attacking perspective. Oscar Estupinian, who prior to the start of uh, this match week, and I think maybe still, was the top scorer in the league. He got ahead to it, but it lazily rolled into Wes Fodderingham's arms and not, not a real test there. And then not a minute later, Norwood put in a really good tackle on Tete, and Sandra Bedge is off with it. He drives to about... 25 yards out, he tries a shot that goes way to the left of goal. Um, but it was, you know, Norwood has been doing this all season. And, you know, it, it's not something that really shows up in, in a stat line or on the score sheet. But the amount of times he's won the ball back in the midfield for United this season, I mean, he is a man on form right now, is he not? He, he is. And this is fault of my own. But, you know, you read online, it's like Norwood is playing like, he did in that promotion season we had, you know, if not better. Yeah. And I mean, it's just insane at how good he is. I mean, he's probably, he is probably one of the names I'm not, I mean, he might be the last name. I'm like, if everybody says, take everybody on the side, who's the one name you keep on the team sheet. It might be Norwood. It might, it might be Norwood so much that I might get the third kit as Norwood on the back of my shirt. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That what yeah. what a crazy turnaround, Chad, because I mean he I was, hated him. He was your whipping boy, man, for for, oh. for two years almost. Oh my god, I boy. hated him. I I absolutely despised him. I wanted him out of the team. But then, like we've talked about on so many occasions, since Hecky came in and had our players playing in the formation that they were so used to. It almost revolutionized him. It's 180. And since that part, when Hecky took over, he's been, I mean, uh, uh, you know, a stalwart in the midfield. I mean, he's been absolutely amazing. There's been, you could probably count on one hand how many games since Hecky's taken over that he's had, you know, a bad game, you know? Yeah. And it, it's probably a matter of, you know, two or three fingers on that mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. as opposed to a full hand. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. He's just been brilliant. Like his passing over the top, you know, in the air is so phenomenal. Like the the balls are weighted perfectly. And mm-hmm. it's been consistent throughout this season. He keeps doing that. You know, he's definitely one of my players of the season. Oh, 100%. The the yeah. 100%. Yeah. In the seventh minute, Ahmed Hodzic in a forward position drives from the right-hand side into the center before slipping a pass for Tommy Doyle about 25 yards out. He takes a shot that if the keeper was a little bit more off of his line, may have been a, a more difficult save, but um, as it was Ingram up to the task and it's a simple catch, but yeah, I mean the position like where he played that ball, like, or where he tried that shot top right corner from that distance. That's where you want to see it from Tommy Doyle. And I expect he's maybe two or three games away from getting a goal. Yeah. He's going to make the, the back of the net bowls for sure. And I think it's going to be on more than one occasion. You know, he's probably going to get four. He'll probably end of the season with what you think four or five. Is, is that too many to ask for from him? Yeah. I, I think that that's a pretty good contribution. If we can get four or five goals from him and, you know, maybe a half dozen assists, that's a damn good season for Tommy Doyle. Yeah. I was going to say probably like six to eight assists. Yeah. So you got, you got five goals and in, in eight assists at 13 goal contributions or. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And then, you know, after that opportunity, it was really back and forth there um, for a good period of time, almost 10 minutes of possession just being won and conceded back and forth, back and forth. And then in the 18th minute, Sander Bedgay out on the right-hand side, drove towards the top of the box and passed it in Jaye. He tried the same move that worked against Redding, driving to his left, trying a shot with his left foot, but it is blocked out. And then... And then, 20th minute, Norwood put in a cross for McBurney to the left of goal. He heads it back for Doyle, who is pressed really hard by his marker, but he's able to get it to Reese Norrington Davies, who gets it back to Doyle on the left-hand side. He megs his man for Norrington Davies, who passes ahead for Lowe. Lowe gets it to McBurney just outside the box on the left-hand side. McBurney drives to his right. Fires the shot low and hard on the ground. It might have been deflected, but it goes into the back of the net past a diving Ingram. One nil to the blades and three and three for Ollie McBurney. I mean, hello, what year, what year is this? Is this Ollie McBurney of Swansea days? Because that is a, a man on form that, that I want to see because I mean, when he got the ball and just shoots from the top of the box, you're like, okay, the keeper's going to get down in enough time. It's it's a far enough out shot that the keeper's going to have plenty of time to get down, and he's probably going to parry it out for a corner. At least he had a shot on target. But the fact that he just drove in and shot it, and the keeper, like, if it did take an afflection, it kind of looked like that on the on the video, but, you know, the whole disaster with SUTV yesterday, you really couldn't tell. But when they when they got the camera behind the goal, it looked like it took a slight deflection and just was out of the keeper's reach, and he couldn't parry it out for a corner. So he slotted it home. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. What a goal, man. Three and three? I would have put five grand on Ollie McBurney to get three goals this season. Would have thought, hey, that's going to be a massive loss. Could you imagine if you put – Five grand on Ollie McBurney to 
score three goals. I mean, what are we? We're the eighth game in the season. He's already got three. The sky's the limit for the dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, Chad, I mean, he is looking more and more like the player that we signed for 20 million from Swansea. Yeah. At least it's finally good to see our players that for so long, and we've repeated this, I don't know, countless numbers of times that we have spent so much money on finally come good. The only other one we need to come good is Brewster. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of because you got to think Max Lowe has come good. Bogle's come good. Now McBurney's starting to turn the turn the tide to where he's, you know, coming good. The only one's number seven, man. The only one is number seven. That's the only one left. Yeah, and unfortunately, as long as McBurney continues to stay on form, you have the feeling that Rian Brewster isn't going to get a start for a while. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's true, but I mean, can you fault? Hecky for not wanting to take the hot hand out. You're not gonna you're not gonna take McBurney out and put Brewster in because just because we want to see if he can get a goal. Now, if the FA Cup comes along here in I don't even know when we start that with the the whole World Cup thing. So I would imagine that's not until after the first of the year. But okay, when that comes, all right, he'll probably get a little bit of first team run if we get some easier teams in the first couple of rounds of our FA Cup draw. And we'll probably put him out there to see if he can score goals. Yeah, I I think for the time Brewster is just going to be you know relegated to the bench and yep. com- coming on in those role playing sort of moments where he gets a good twenty thirty minutes as he did on Sunday and yep. you know basically to see if if he can try and and get a goal so he's going to have to just deal with that limited time but you know what can he do in that limited time and when he came in I didn't think he had a bad game no no but the whole thing is is in that sh- in those short cameos. He's got to work his tail off, and at some point he's got to get a goal to go in because yeah. then heck he's like, okay, he can score a goal in a short amount of time. That you know that gives us another element later in the game. But the whole thing is, for some reason, Brewster loves to take those long-distance shots, and the keeper's like, hey, we'll take that every day. Just drive it right down, right down the center. I'll just catch it, and then we'll be off and start the opposing, you know, counterattack so he's just got to do better but I, I mean who am I you know armchair quarterback right here trying to to tell him what to do but I mean hey he's gonna do what he wants to do but I just hope for his sake a goal goes in yeah I think you're mixing your metaphors there Chad yeah a little bit yeah American football English football yeah, yeah. I'm an armchair manager there you go much better much better 23rd minute, Max Lowe concedes a free kick on the right-hand side. From a whole attacking perspective, it's taken by Tufan, who puts in a good free kick, and Alfie Jones gets his head on it, but it is up and over the bar. Um, And then shortly thereafter, Bergay got in and just had the keeper to beat, but he drives too far to the right of goal, and it would have been a little bit of an awkward shot there to try. Instead, he plays it into the six-yard box, but nobody is home as McBurney couldn't get there, and it is cleared out. Um, And then right after that, Lowe put in a really dangerous cross on the ground that had to be cleared out by Greaves, and that led to the corner. And then in the 25th minute, off of that ensuing corner, again, so poor 
with the work corner routine here. Doyle sends it towards the top of the box, looking for Norwood. Max Lowe gets on it, and he gives Norwood a pass in absolute no-man's land. Callum Elder takes it away from him, and he finds a Stupion in acres of space with just the keeper to beat. Max Lowe's trying to catch up. He ends up injuring himself, and then Estupion tries to finesse one past Wes, but clean sheet Wes, baby. Makes one save. It deflects back to Estupion. He hits it again, and it's another amazing diving save by Fodderingham. Is that an early save of the year candidate right there? I mean, yeah. And that's that's honestly taking my, you know, United glasses off. Yeah, what a save. I mean, because at that point, you know, it's 1-0. If Hull were to get Hull were to get a goal, levels it up, then it just, you know, the fixture just drags on. But the whole thing is, I want to go back to the worked corner. We've said it so many times. The work corner deal, we've got to, if we're going to do that, we've got to have men back in defense. Because just like the Watford deal, we got beat on a work corner and then Watford starts the break and all of a sudden it's what three on two. And then we, you know, we end up conceding the goal, but I don't know how we do it or what they're going to have to do in training. It's just like we've got to have somebody in back in defense because if, if we're going to keep doing these dumb work corners that one that worked one time last year, after all the times we changed, like tried it, if if we're going to try it, we got to have defenders back because we're just going to get opened up on the break. And that's what these teams look for because we have so much possession and just hem these people in, in their own third where we're just attacking, attacking, attacking. That's all they need is one chance to go to the other end and score, and then they're just going to park the bus and defend for the rest of the match. So, I mean, we got to figure something out on those deals and just, in my opinion, just stop doing them. We're scoring enough from from corners off of headed goals now with Ahmed Hodzic. So let's, let's just keep doing that. If, yeah. if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, Chad. Um, I think if we're going to try something off the uh, training ground there, then we have to at least pull one center back into the midfield at at minimum. At minimum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How many times have we taken a corner and it's actually been a corner and it gets worked out, you know, head tennis around and it gets knocked out and the opponents are off to the races, but we have like a a midfielder back there in defense and he's able to just, you know, clean it up and it's back to Wes or, you know, we just cycle it back around. So do something like that. What? I don't understand what, what we have going on here. I don't know if that's just a breakdown, us committing too many men forward when we're not supposed to, but on the other end of this, you got to commend Wes right here because the dude hasn't had much to do all season. I mean, he's been back there in most games with a lawn chair and, you know, like a Playboy or a Hustler if they still make those mass <laughs> magazines. And then, obviously, sometimes he, he has a urinal back there and just poos himself. And so... In the urinal? In the yeah, urinal? In the, he shats in the urinal. Oh he God. shats in the urinal. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to give him credit because when he's called upon, at like so far through this season... He's been absolutely outstanding. 
And just the image of Wes shedding in a journal now. Oh, my God. We've gone <laughs> crass, Chad. We've oh. gone, we have gone maybe one toe over the line on the red half of Sheffield here. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. Moving right along. 29th minute. More injury woes. As we said earlier, Max Lowe went down with that leg injury. And um, he looks like he may be out the next couple of weeks. But, you know, in that case... Chris Basham comes in for Anel Ahmed Hodzic. You slot Anel to the left center back, and then Reese Norrington Davies goes back into his more natural left wing back position. So um, I'm not too worried about it because it didn't look like it didn't look like a really bad injury for Lowe. I thought when Tete got injured like earlier in the game, that was the worst injury of the two. And Tete looks to be out probably for I don't know, months. I don't know like if they had a scan done on him or whatnot, because obviously we're not following Hull here. But um, at the same time, hopefully Max Lowe will be back at at the very least training in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it just looked like he, you know, obviously pulled his hamstring. He, it probably, I mean, it didn't look too bad. And, you know, our Tufty Club insiders, they, you know, since it was in a way – game they didn't they weren't scoping out the he's on crutches he's on crutches he's done for six eight months he's on crutches they didn't do we didn't have the insider tufty club report so you guys got to get on your game and start going to the way matches because we got we need the inside injury report but you know it didn't look like it was too bad so hopefully like you said what a would you be surprised at a month you know tops and he's probably back training, and he's probably back before we have the the month break for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say probably at worst three weeks, maybe. Okay, but again, you know, it's very speculative. We have no clue at this point. Anyway, thirtieth minute, Tufan put a cross in for Elder, who had a shot that was blocked. Thirty fourth minute, Ahmed Hadzic tried a shot from outside the box that was. Always rising into the right, but you know what? It's good to see his confidence to just try and have a shot. Not really his game, uh, to be quite honest with you, but at the same time, you know, if you have an opening like that, it looked like he was in, uh, some pretty good space there. Why not have a go? We're up one nil at this point. And, you know, if you get lucky, you get a second, but yeah, at worst, it's a goal kick there. 39th minute, Norwood wins a free kick on the right wing, and Tommy Doyle steps up to take the free kick. He puts in a decent one as Ahmed Hodzic got ahead to it, but it goes way high and out of play. And then Hull had one more, I thought, brilliant opportunity to draw the game level in the fifth minute of added time in the first half. Estupion puts in a beautifully weighted ball over the top that might have been deflected for Tufan. He tries to dink West, but it ends up over the bar and like basically falling on the top netting. Um, but yeah, I mean, a couple dangerous questions asked there at the end of the first half by Hull. In hindsight, I'd be like, okay, little did we know they really didn't have many chances in the second half. So it was like, okay, if that's as bad as it's going to get, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Let's go into the second half and we're up one nil. You know, it could have been leveled maybe down to one at halftime, but you know, dare I say is the, the luck starting to fluctuate towards us? Touch wood, Chad. 
I am. I, I'm doing that as I say that phrase, but it's just weird because how many times over since we started recording this, like we wish we had luck on our side. And it's it's weird to to think that all those times of being, oh, you know, luck's not on our side. Obviously with injuries it isn't, but um it seems to be like the tide is turning in our results and it's you know, it's playing more into our favor. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think we have had a little bit better ball luck, not ball duck, ball luck. Um, and yeah, I, you just pray that it continues, you know, at some point, And, you know, we, we already recorded uh, our preview with a Ravram supporter. Um, and we talked about the shoe dropping, as you'll hear in a little bit. You kind of feel like the sh- other shoe is going to drop at some point. But, you know, we're riding high and we're just going to enjoy it for the moment. And Anyway, that was basically the first half. Pretty boring first half, as we are, like already alluded to. Most of the game was not terribly interesting. As you said, Chad, these are the type of games that you need to win if you're going to be in promotion form all season. But with that being said, you know, we got the lead. We got our relatively early goal, 20th minute. And, you know, we were able to kind of put the pressure on Hull to be a little bit more offensively minded. They couldn't just, you know, kind of park the bus and hope for a draw. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, like we alluded to, they were playing a lot on the counterattack. And right. and we're gonna we're gonna run into a good majority of these teams because of our attacking prowess that they're gonna be like, Oh, we can't come out of our defensive shell. We have to, you know, we have to stay there. We can't attack this side because if we get attacked, then it's gonna be where we like turn teams over. And if they're in in and amongst the relegation battle, they're not going to want to do that. So they're going to be defensively sound, and it's going to be hard for us to to pick apart. But if we get an early goal, then we bring them out of that shell. Then it, I said it during the watch along, it's going to open up more spaces, and our midfield creativity is going to be able to show itself by the holes that you know with us them coming out of their defensive shell with the the holes opening up, we're going to have more opportunity for more goals and chances and whatnot. I agree definitely. And yeah, I think I see that as how the majority of our games are going to go, you know, and one of the things that Matt from um, the Ravram fan that, you know, we're going to throw to in a little bit here said, and we're like giving you a preview of something that you haven't even listened to. Very weird. (laughs) One of the things that he said is, you know, there's, as far as the golf and quality is concerned, there's like six teams that are, you know, going to be in and around the top and the rest, you know, there's not a golf in quality from them. And when we're playing those type of teams, whole city being one of them, you know, that's going to be their strategy. Try to get something on the counterattack, um, but just kind of try to uh, absorb the pressure that Sheffield United put on them. Yep. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So the, Second half starts and very, very early on. And Jaye picks the pocket um, of Figueredo after a poor pass from Jones. And he would have been in with just the keeper to beat. But of course, Matthew fucking Donahue blows the whistle and calls a foul on Njaye. Uh, You know, I didn't think that was a foul at all. No, there was, there was what, a handful of issues we had with the referee. I mean... It's just Matthew Donahue. We we all know what the past we've had with him, so um, I don't want to complain about him. It is what it is. 
we still won't run out two nil winners, so it's okay. I'm I'm to that point where if the ref has, you know, because everybody's been complaining about him, all leagues, Prem, our league, League One and League Two, there's been referee complaints all over the place. So it's not going to get any better. So in my opinion, why complain about it? Because it's just going to be from one ref to the next ref. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. And you touched on something that it's been pretty prevalent throughout the leagues. I mean, the, the complaints about the refereeing and now VAR um, uh, yeah. in, the, in the Prem. Um, I mean, there are calls for them to take out VAR in the Prem, which is interesting. For a while it worked, but, you know, with how nitpicky things have gotten, it's it's really been bad. And it's led to, you know, worldy goals getting taken off the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's just... It's just a mess at the at this point, and it's just like, how can you not get a decision right? And we have to go down to the point where it's red and blue lines to distinguish whether the goal is onsides or offsides. So my, if we're going to do this, we might as well just go back to the normal stuff that the criticism was still the same when, you know, the the – TV cameras would draw the offsides line and be like, oh my God, he was offsides, but the ref didn't see it. So they called him onsides and it was goal. Yes, you still have the same deals, even with the stuff that's looking down the line for onsides, on and offsides. So I don't know. They'll never make up their mind. They're just going to make it tougher on everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you, Chad. So in about the 50th minute, Jones put a long ball over the top looking for Coyle down the right-hand side. And Wes, what is he doing here? Comes all the way out of his net. Luckily, it didn't result in anything as the ball was touched away from him. And Anel, I believe, cleared it out for a throw. But yeah, a little bit shaky from Wes there. But as I said, thankfully, it did not result in anything. Yeah. 53rd minute, Egan put in an absolute beauty of a ball over the top, about 40 yards down pitch that Njaye got on down the left-hand side. He dribbles into the box, past his man, and has a shot that was straight at Ingram and almost too easy for him to save. And, you know, this is that same move where he, like, kind of fakes like he's going one way, goes the other way, and then has the shot. Um, It was just the reverse. It was on his right foot this time. He's tried it three or four times over the last, like, few games. Uh, He scored one from it. So um, it's a good move, but I just feel like the other side may start scouting it now, you know? Yeah, and I kind of picked up on it in the, the game yesterday. It's almost like Hull's ambition was to take him out of the game because for spells of it, he really wasn't a factor. So I don't know if these other, you know, mid-table sides, bottom half sides are going to, you know, put that in their game plan. Hey, take 29 out of the game and see how it hampers them. And it might give us a chance to, you know, get a result against these sides. So I don't know. Obviously, this probably was a part of Hull's game yesterday to just take die out of it because you didn't really see him much. Yeah, he had a few moments of brilliance. Obviously, we're going to get to the goal that, that Sander Bedgay scored, and obviously Illiman and Jaya had the assist on, on that goal. But 
uh, I, yeah, he was a non-factor for for stretches on it. And the thing is, is look, he's going to have games like this, you know? Mm-hmm. He's going to have games where he's taken out of it. And it comes down to the other players on the pitch. Can they sort of fill in the gaps that he leaves not being able to get on the ball, really, because they're man-marking him? Yeah. Ahmed Hodzic was you know, put into the book for a really poor attempt at getting the ball in the box after Doyle lobbed one. And I mean, he catches a whole city player like right in the face and oof, yikes. And I mean, it was a complete accident, but by the same token, you have to have a little bit more control over your body there. And yeah, I mean, he's seen some yellow cards recently. He's going to have to probably start worrying about buildup of yellow cards. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we have to look out for him is the accumulation of yellow cards. Yeah, definitely. 64th minute, Callum Elder puts in a pass to Longman who tries a shot, but it's way too high. 68th minute, Elder put in a long throw that Greaves got onto. He put it to Coyle, who didn't really get a shot away. It goes out for a corner. Um, and they tried that long throw routine several times in this game. And I thought we dealt with it really, really well. We did. Yeah, we did. We were just really defensively sound. And I felt like that was going to, you know, you said the amount of long throws we had to deal with. You would, I would have thought that was going to be how they were going to get one nicked on and it was going to be sought at home by somebody at the back post or something, something or another. But, you know, it really didn't, it really didn't trouble us. We just kind of had everything, you know, under locks. If we rewatch the match again, I would have probably a different outlook. Yes, it'd still be boring, but when we were watching it in real time, I felt more of a threat from Hull. But watching the highlights back, and you know, obviously going through this match review with you, we're way in control here. Yeah, in no way were we in any trouble aside from the, the three chances. Yep. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there, Chad. 69th minute, Brewster comes in for McBurney. And like you said, I thought we defended really well for stretches. We did not let them have a sniff. And um, yeah, very, very handily done. 75th minute, our second goal, Illiman and Jaya on the left-hand side, gets away from his marker, Sari, and he drives towards the box before playing a beautiful pass for Berge. Berge drives into the box and has a shot that is deflected, and goes in 2-0 to United, and we knew it was pretty much done from that point on. Done and dusted, 2-0 up. Yeah, 2-0. The Sandy Barge goal, it pretty much sealed it, and he saluted, and he was happy. And did you see the picture online? Everybody's raving about, oh, my God, he kissed the badge. He's going to be a lifelong blade. He's never going to leave us. Oh, my God, he's red and white all the way through. Yes, I did see the picture. It's an it's an amazing picture. What a great moment. And yeah, I just love that the song is back, the He's Norwegian song. Um, you just love to see it, man. You really, really love to see it. He's our player at the very least until the January transfer window and hopefully beyond. I think either way, he's going to be playing Prem football next season, whether it's with Sheffield United or with another club remains to be seen, but we just have to enjoy him now, man. We have to enjoy watching this man play because he's brilliant. And I really hope, you know, if if we're still in this top to table, you know, second, third position in the league, and January transfer window comes, I really hope he doesn't do, like, he doesn't leave. And he's like, I want to see this season out 
with you guys and hey i might look for another move to another club and so if we get promoted obviously he's going to play premier league football next year and i'd like to just see him see this season out and be like okay if the end of the season comes and we don't we don't get promoted you can let him go no hard feelings. Hey, I understand he just wants to forward his career and move it on and play Champions League football and all that stuff. And he might as well, he might leave at the end of the season, even if we get promoted to go to a bigger, you know, a top six club or a top eight club to, you know, just forward himself and get to his dream of playing Champions League football. So I don't know. I I just want him to be here till the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think, you know, if we're going to challenge for one of those two promotion spots, he really does need to be here. Yeah. 82nd minute, Norrington Davies on the left-hand side, slides a pass for Brewster. Um, He's tackled but is still able to get it to Norwood, and he tries a shot a long way out, and it's easily saved by Ingram there. 83rd minute, Norwood put an absolutely brilliant cross slash through ball looking for Doyle who stretched and just wasn't able to get good contact on it so close to being a third there but I think Doyle was on side which is good and he would have just had to tap it in but this is kind of the theme we've already talked about this he's right there mm-hmm. right there and he will get a goal like my yep. prediction next two to three games he's going to get a goal yeah yeah I would I'd be in agreement with you because I mean he's he's certainly a man in form or, well, coming into form, you know? 84th minute, John Egan puts in a good tackle and wins the ball back for United, which springs a break. He gets it to Doyle, who passes for Reese Norrington-Davies out on the left-hand side, and Norrington-Davies puts in a really good cross that finds Brewster, and he heads it, but it's up and over the bar. Bummer for Brewster there, but... Um, you know, it was good to just get it into a, into a dangerous area there. I, I don't think we needed a third, but good to see us just trying to go and, and continue to attack because as we said on the stream, you know, our best defense is a good attack at times. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And you know, the, the whole thing is, is I like the, the chances, at least Brewster's having chances. He's, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, he was, he wasn't doing anything. He was yeah. just kind of like, out there just kind of running around aimlessly. Now he's, you know, he's growing into it and he's starting to get more and more chances. So obviously, like we talked about Tommy Doyle, if you create chances, one of them's going to fall for you. Yeah. So it's probably only a matter of time for Brewster to start scoring too. Hopefully, hopefully that that's the case there. Brewster had another shot from outside the box that went pretty far to the right of goal. And then in the 87th minute, Doyle and Badgay make way for McAtee and Arblaster, the latter of whom getting his first minutes of league football at the senior level. And I thought Arblaster, he had a good, what, like 10, 11, 12, 13 minutes, whatever it was. Um, he dealt with a like dangerous ball that went into a defensive area from a Sheffield United perspective, and he just got it out of there. But yeah, you love to see it, and I, I really hope that Ollie Arblaster is a player that we will be hearing a lot from in you know in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, and he got in a scuffle too, so he had a little dust up. So I mean, Sheffield United must love players by the name of Ollie because we have Ollie. Our blaster, Ollie Norwood, Ollie Bernie. We had Ollie Burke. I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, it was a good debut for him, you know. 
thirteen. You said thirteen minutes. So I mean, he put in a decent. Uh, you know, it's not really anything to draw off of because it's not like anything impactful. Because at that point, we were just trying to get to the end of the match, and it just felt like the match was never going to end. So I mean, yeah, it's good sub cameo for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to just address something really fast because it came up and it involves Blaster a little bit. So apparently Kyron Gordon was the victim of some racial abuse from a whole city supporter during this game. And, you know, we just want to echo the sentiments of the club of the other podcast. There is absolutely no room for racism in football. And, you know, if that is, if those are views that people hold, um, don't show up to games Stop supporting because there's no room for it. It's unacceptable in 2022. It was unacceptable 50 years ago. It's always been unacceptable. Um, and it's good that the clubs are taking more steps to root it out and deal with it. Because yeah, it needs I, to be. Yeah. During the stream, they like motioned over to, well, I think it was Hecky, Stuart McCall, Jack Lester was over there. And then you saw like, Kyron Gordon could come back. He has training warm up on, and yeah, there was like some sort of commotion, but we didn't know what was going on. And then it comes out this morning that that's just a bad deal, man. People just never learn. But I mean, you got to applaud Hall and you know putting out a statement this morning saying, "Hey, we're going after it and we're trying to stem it," because it's just it's one of those deals that we just it just I don't know after like six or eight months, it always rears its ugly head again. And it's one of those deals where it shouldn't be, you know, it's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the worst part of it is, look, his brother, Kyron Gordon's brother, plays yeah. for Hall. It's Tyler exactly. Smith. He was in the game at that exactly. point. I don't know if he was in the game at that point, but he was in this game. Um, so it, it's just, it's absolute nonsense. And, you know, we condemn it 100% wholeheartedly. No room for that. Anyway, so we had nine minutes of stoppage time, and nothing really came from it. Full time is blown. Another three points on the board for Sheffield United, our first away win of the season, and we're absolutely flying at this point. Yep, top of the league. Although, if you read everybody's comments on after the full-time whistles on Saturday, Norwich is going to stay top of the league and be there for the entire year. So we're just up there for the moment, and then we go back top. So, yeah, suck it, Norwich. <laughs> so, that's going to be the title of the episode right there. Suck it, Norwich. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Who is your man of the match in this one, Chad? Well, I'm going to do men of the match, um, and that's something I never do. Uh, Wes for coming up big with a double save, and then R&D. I said it during the stream. The ability, you know, we've questioned him for so long about his versatility, injuries, all that. Going and playing a defensive role, and then when Max Lowe goes down, sliding into his old position as a wingback, the dude is like a, you said it perfect, a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he can play in any position. Yeah. So yeah, his his shift he put in yesterday, kudos to him. But I, I've got to give a little bit of credit to West too, because – Without him, he we probably concede a goal. So even when he's not shatting or pooing himself, um, yeah, he still is good between the pipes. Definitely. I'm going to give it also to R&D. Yeah, like you said, Swiss Army man there for Sheffield United. 
thought he was brilliant throughout the game. And it was such a seamless transition for him to go to left wing back. And I, you know, I, th- I think probably he feels more comfortable there, but at the same time, he's just been amazing in that like left center back role. So you kind of hate to see him having to slot over there just with how good he's been in that left center back role. But at the same time, as long as he's on the pitch, I'm happy. Yeah, I would agree with that. So at this point, we are going to throw it to our previously recorded interview with Matt Lax from New York Talk, which is a Ravram podcast, and we will throw it over right now. Well, Chad, we have another game coming up this Saturday, and it is yet another Derby, two in two weeks for the Blades. Uh, and from the New York Talk podcast, we have Matt Lax, who is a Rotherham United supporter. And how are you doing there, Matt, today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me, for having me on, lads. Definitely, definitely. Obviously, the transfer window just closed this past week. As far as South Yorkshire is concerned, a lot of eyes on the blades with the possibility of Sander Badgay going out. Talks about maybe John Egan going to Leeds. That didn't ever really surface. But how do you feel about uh, Rotherham's business in the transfer window that has just closed? Uh, I'd say it's solid. Um, I give it seven or eight out of ten, something like that. You, we were all we were never entirely happy because where we are in the pecking order in the transfer window, we know where we are, particularly in the championship. We're not going to get everybody we want because somebody else will take them if they're if they're that good a player. Uh, but we've strengthened in areas we need to strengthen defensively. We look we look much better than we did last time we in the championship. Uh, we're probably a striker short. Probably probably a natural natural finish is short. Um, but it hasn't hurt us yet. So hopefully touching all the wood, that's, you know, the goals will still, still keep coming. Um, I think Paul one's done the best job he can with the resources he has, but mm, pretty happy. <laughs> and Ogbene, uh, I, mm. I don't want to pronounce that first name because I'm going to absolutely butcher it. Um, <laughs> obviously you brought him in. He's a right winger for a million pound, um, or almost a million pound. Um, is that your highest? Is that your is that your transfer record at this point? Or well, he, he came and we call him Chio. It's easy. You're short on his first name. It's loads easier. Chido. Um, like <laughs> he, he, he's been here two or three years now. Um, he, we signed him for basically nothing from Brentford. I think 2019 pre-COVID. Um, our transfer record, I think, is about four hundred and fifty thousand. Wow! Um, wow! <laughs> Because we were in the prem, obviously yeah. ours is a little bit inflated. But I mean, now you get back to to the championship level, and it's you know a little bit more you know manageable. Where we're talking like four or five million quid for Ahmed Hodzic, and it's it's crazy to compare. You know the inflate, just the inflation of going up one level. Mm. You know, we had to pay twenty million for McBurney, and then like teams coming in with with for Sandy Barge is like. They want thirty millions as release calls, and it's like, wow, that'd be—it's crazy to compare, you know, the budgets mm. between the two sides, and the fact that they're in the same division is a little crazy to me. Yeah. Do, one question I have for you: Do you guys think you guys are going to solidify yourselves? You know, everybody thinks Rotherham's going to get relegated because they're this yo-yo club between mm. the championship and League One. Do you think? 
you guys have enough to stay up this season? You know, just skirt the relegation battle, finish outside of it, or do you guys feel like you can finish, you know, comfortably? Uh, yeah, we we're, we're hopeful we'll stay up. What I will say about the championship is I don't think it's an amazing league. I think you've got three or four teams who are, who are brilliant. I think you've got yourselves, Norwich, uh, maybe a couple of the teams who are clearly much better than everybody else. And I think after that, there's not much in it. I don't, I don't think it's, and that's what makes it great. That's what makes it entertaining because anybody can be anybody. Because I think there's all much to muchness. Um, but I don't see why not. Our problem in the past has been conceding really stupid rubbish goals, and we've stopped doing that. Only seven games in, so that that may change. But that's a great base to work from. If you're not conceding many goals, you're giving yourself a brilliant chance to stay up. Uh, I think before we played Sunderland, we only Preston had considered less than us and they'd considered none at time. So that's the company we're sort of keeping from a defensive point of view. There's always positivity. You talk about the transfer fees. That, that is a frustration of Rotherham fans that we, we just can't compete. Even if we threw a million pounds at somebody, we probably won't be able to compete in wages. So it's, diff, it's very difficult from every point of view to really challenge. Even Birmingham, who, were, who in theory will we, we'll be challenging for safety, they spent a million pounds on somebody from Man United last week on deadline day. These are the things we're, we're, we're trying to compete with. But it's a poor woman, but poor woman does. He tries to get everybody together. It creates this really close-knit group who want to fight for each other, want to play for each other. And so far it's worked. You know, last season in, in League One, it worked brilliantly. Um, and we've added some real quality. Cameron Humphries, who was a centre-back we've brought in, he's just a class above. He is a championship player. And that's what we've sort of brought in. People who look comfortable at this level. Whereas two years ago when we were in here, we were a bunch of League One players trying really hard. We have added a bit of quality in. Um, and I'm hoping the chaos at Birmingham, chaos at Reading, I'm hoping chaos at other clubs will help us stay up. If we stop at one year, I think we, we, we can build, but we've got to find that base. We've got to, we've got to like, solidify and then we can hopefully move on. Definitely. And uh, other notable transfers, Connor Washington um, mm-hmm. and then Tom Eves from, from Hull City. We certainly remember him from last season. How have they done so far? Uh, Tom Eves has been injured. He got injured in pre-season. He's made, I think, three substitute appearances. He's not done anything yet. I, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's not match fit. Uh, and we'll sort of see we'll see where he goes from there, hopefully, anyway. Um, Connor Washington's fitted in really well. Connor Washington, he's got, he got a lot of stick in the summer when we signed him from other championship clubs, sort of questioning why we've signed somebody who didn't score that many in League One. But it's about his work rate. It's about what he brings to the team away from the goals. He's constantly pressing the other team's defenders. He's, they're not giving him a second, giving the, the opposition a second. And that's really important to the, what, we're, what we're trying to do. We, we, we're trying to unsettle the opposition because we can't, if we let the opposition settle in this league, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Um, Connor, Connor Washington's instantly taken to the uh, fans have taken him to our heart because he is he just runs around works hard I'm sure he'll get some goals even he won't get 25 20 but if he chips in with 5 to 10 I think we'll be happy because of what else he brings to the team um, and hopefully that's Tommy Hughes will hopefully Tommy Hughes will improve <laughs> yeah yeah I mean is he expected to be match fit next Saturday uh, he should be he, he, he's going in some in the last three games so I think he's in that area where he could probably start. We, and we, to be fair, we need somebody like that, because his physicality, because he's big and strong. We do, we've we've missed a bit of an outlet. So it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him coming if if he is in that window of being match fit. For sure. And 
I mean, you guys got with, from your perspective a one-one draw. Yes, uh, I'm sorry on Saturday uh, against Watford at home. Is that a good result in, in in your eyes? I mean, obviously Watford slated to be you know in the top mm-hmm. half of the league and probably in the playoff positions um, come the end of the season. Do you feel that maybe you could have gotten a little bit more out of that game, maybe taken all three points, or do you think 1-1 was a fair result? 1-1 was probably a fair result. I mean, the first half an hour of the game, we we, we really shook Watford, got the early goal, um, and they were on the ropes for, for, for most of that half an hour. They then scored a fantastic goal, a great finish, and that just changed the game. They, they had an extra day's rest. Uh, they played Tuesday, we played Wednesday, and that really started to tell towards in the last half an hour of the game. I wouldn't say we were completely under the cosh because I don't think I think Aki made one good save. That that was really it. Um, so I think one one is a, was a good result in the end. Had we you know had a full week's rest and we had everybody fit, I think we could have taken three points, and I think that's a great sign of where we are that we can push Watford. And make them think about us, you know, they've got to worry about what we can do rather than worrying about the amazing players they've got because they've got some Jao Pedro as an amazing player. And we kept him quiet for 90 minutes, which is really impressive. Um, if we can pick up points against teams like Watford and, you know, if we pick up a point against you guys at weekend, these are great points against teams that, you know, our season is not defined by playing Sheffield United and Watford, really. It's about Birmingham, about Reading, these, all these teams in the middle. So picking up points against teams like Watford and you guys at weekend are. I suppose the sort of bonuses. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely interesting to kind of hear your perspective, you know, as a side, basically just coming up from league mm-hmm. one, um, you know, what you've had to say, like what, how you view games. Um, interestingly enough for us, obviously, you know, we, we're looking to get promotion this season um, and it's the best opportunity that we've had. It's, it's a better opportunity um, even than we had last season as this team is obviously really gelling now at this point, but it's just, it's, it is very interesting to hear your perspective. Like where can you, you know, kind of parse out the, those points because obviously survival is your goal this year. You want to kind of cast off the stench of being a yo-yo club, you know, yeah. which, you know, I mean, you're you're basically the Norwich of the championship in League One um, versus the championship in the Premier League um, over it, the last several years. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to hear him. You know, like you said, parse out these points through the season. It almost feels like when we were in the Prem and we were so mm-hmm. we were we were awful, and we were like, well, if we get a point here and a point here, and we take three points here, and it's just like it's like you said, it, it's a completely different perspective, but it also puts it in perspective for where we were when we got relegated from the Prem that season. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that we have the same, you know, we share the same thoughts about, you know, a possible relegation or what do we have to do to stay up? It's, it's crazy to hear from a side that, you know, most people had tabbed in and around the bottom to get relegated that, you know, it's it, it's all the same between all of us. No matter if we're in a if we're in what league we're in, it's all it's all the same. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's like when, when we got promoted last year. It's much more relaxed. You, you can enjoy three 0 wins when you go up to top of the league. For us, every single point is almost worth a celebration this season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just more stressful. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And I mean, look, through seven games so far this season, y'all have done very well. Two wins, four draws, and one loss to this point. So, I mean, is that kind of a dream start for you at this point? Not far off, yeah, it is. 
Um, the Sunderland game was really frustrating and annoying. That was a really poor performance. And we played them when they when their new manager was confirmed on the day their new manager was confirmed. So I think that new manager really helped them on the day. Uh, but we were well below par, and I, it's almost a good thing because up to that up to that point we've like I said won, at that point we won two, drawn three, and you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. We, we were fifth fifth in the league. You're thinking, brilliant. And then we got a bit of a batter, and, you, and I think it may be a good thing to you're a bit of a reality check. You never want never want to lose three 0 but it's important for the players to realise this isn't going to walk in the park. It's important for the fans to realise that we're going to take you're going to take some bad days this season. Um, but if you'd have given me ten points after seven games, I would have absolutely snatched your hand off for that. That for us, that is a great start. So who who should Blades fans look out for? Who who's your most dangerous player in this Rotherham side? Uh, there's a couple. I will shout out first of all, Brooke Norton Cuffey, who is a right wing back we signed on our, from Arsenal. Only uh, 18-year-old. Uh, he won the uh, under-19 Euros with England in the summer. And he's got just about everything he needs to go and play on at the very highest level. He's very, very quick. His defensive duel, he just seems to win most of them. Uh, he's very, very strong. He's very, very clever. Um if you if you allow him space to run into from an attacking point of view, he will exploit the space. Um, he, I, he he will go to the very very top. I think he was linked with most of the clubs in the championship, but Arsenal wanted him to come towards for some reason. We're very well thought of and coachable, which is which is very exciting and good to hear. Um, we like pace. We've got him and Cohen Bramwell, not on the right, Cohen Bramwell on the left. They're, they are so quick, both like lightning. So that's that's kind of our idea, you know, against teams like Watford and you guys, maybe soak up a bit of pressure and then sort of release, get away, you know, get up the pitch. Chiwag Ben, as we've already mentioned, he's scored three goals this season. Again, like Lightning, he's such a threat. And he's very, very good at winning free kicks. So if, he, if, he, if he gets one-on-one with his man, he's more than able to just sort of knock the ball past and sort of try and win the foul in dangerous areas. Um, and then th- those three really are the threats. You, you can pick Dan Barr last night as a midfielder who can ping the ball left, right and centre. But I don't think we'll be relying on having the ball too much on Saturday. Um, so those that I mentioned are probably the key ones for Saturday, I think. Yeah, probably counterattacking football is how you're going to set up tactically uh, against United, against Sheffield United, I should say. <laughs> and, you know, we've had a, a, quite the injury bug biting at us for the, like the mm. last couple of months. Max Lowe uh, was taken out of the game on Sunday and you know we we do have Reese Norrington Davies who can cover and then we can slot Anel Ahmed Hodzic over into that left center back spot where Reese Norrington Davies has been playing but um you know still testing the wings might be a good strategy for mm-hmm. Rotherham uh in this upcoming game just Reese Norrington Davies down the left hand side because he's been playing in that left center back role now going to the left wing back role you just don't mm-hmm. know how he's going to adjust he played i thought he played pretty well against whole city on sunday but with that being said you know if you have some young talent with pace uh down the side down the wings you never know what can happen yeah big time they're a bit wild card and i think that's what we we lacked two years ago in the championships we had no pace we had no real we went long to michael smith that were it uh, I think the one thing as a defender you don't want to real defend against is pace. Pace is frightening because it can all change in an instant. And I think that was a, put, a big push in our transfer window is Connor Washington is very, very quick, you know, and the, those two guys I mentioned. Even the best teams don't want to face quick players. And I think that was a lot of the, the thinking of, of the transfer window for those those guys we brought in. So 
Conversely, who is a Sheffield United player that you are personally worried about in this upcoming match? Uh, the obvious one is Sanderberg, isn't it? Uh, he's, the, he's the very, very obvious one. Uh, I'm amazed he's still at your place, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm amazed, he, amazed he's stuck around the championship. If, if he's going to stick around, he's going to stick around you know, with something like Sheffield United because of where you expect to be. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem fair or normal. It's like Joe Pedro at Watford. It's just not makes no sense that they're still in this league. Um, so I think that's where you're going to hurt us because that type of quality is just it's frightening to be honest. We, we've got to be, we've got to be switched on for ninety minutes. You, you can't let your guard down with players like that and other players in your team. Um, we've got to be on his game from minute one to minute ninety, and one mistake and something like that is going to is going to kill us, unfortunately. So. Yeah, we know how tough it's going to be. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I take it you've also seen the way Illman and Dae has performed this season. Um, you know, for my money, he's probably our most dangerous player, um, consistently setting up our other attacking players or taking the ball himself and scoring wonder goals so far this year. You know, what, what, what's your perspective on Illman and Dae? I've not seen it too much of Sheffield United. The only Sheffield United game I've seen is the Watford game. Uh, which was obviously very, very early on, uh, which I thought you were unlucky to lose, to be honest with you. Uh, it was a poor goal to concede. Um, but I think it's maybe this is a different Sheffield United now than before your promotion first time round. You've got so many individual players that are brilliant. When you, when you got promoted under Chris Wilder, it was all about the unit, wasn't it? It was all about you know Billy Sharp and, and, and then sort of a couple of individuals, but they weren't amazing. Now it's like, wow, you've got all these amazing players and you still seem to be playing as a unit as well. So far, obviously, we're talking early days, aren't we? But um, it's shifting out of the one team that's settled properly into the championship. You know, Hull had a good start, but they've fallen away a bit. Norwich didn't start well, but they've maybe come good. The fact that Sheffield United started so well is scary to, for us, to come up, almost scary to come up against that. Um, but Paul Hockingbottom is, in the right circumstances, is a good manager. And I think he's found those circumstances, or he seems to have found those circumstances where he can potentially be a success again. Yeah, yeah we, we had no clue that we were going to start the season off this well. I mean, Chad mm-hmm. and I initially had us pegged to finish in the playoffs relatively comfortably, but probably nowhere near. Um, you know, we weren't really talking about automatic promotion, but mm-hmm. the conversation has obviously changed. Again, it is the, it's still very early days at this point, not even a quarter of the season played, but you kind of have the feeling if we continue to play like this, we're going to be in a very good position to, to challenge for automatic promotion at the end of, you know, come the end of the season. And that kind of uh, is a pretty good transition. I mean, obviously you want to finish 21st or higher, but realistically, where do you see Rotherham finishing come the end of the season? I, I don't see why we can't finish fairly comfortably. Uh, I think I think 18th, something like that. If you offered me staying up on goal difference, I would take it. It's just about staying up no matter what. Um, but like I said at the start, the, the championship below the top four or five, is not that great, and I don't think there's much in it at, at all. So why can't we stop in, you know, go, go finish above Birmingham, Reading, Blackpool, Luton potentially? All these teams that have not started very well. Coventry obviously had a terrible start. There's just so many teams who are either in a bit of chaos because of ownership or transfer things or management managerial issues. We're not. We're sort of settled and and set, ready to go for whatever the season throws at us. So I don't see why finishing 17th, 18th is out of the question. Just make sure the points total keeps ticking over. You know, do you don't want to be stuck on zero, 
not get any points for five games in a row, something like that. Keep it ticking over, pick up a win every so often. Uh, I don't see why 18th is not achievable. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd hope, I kind of hope the Millers do stay up. I mean, out of the three, the three promoted teams from last year, I mean, all of them seem to be doing, you Mm. know, decent. I mean, Sunland's eighth. You guys are what, 13th in the table? I mean, there shouldn't be any reason why you guys wouldn't, you know, stay up. I mean, obviously, you're probably, like you said, you don't want to hit a barren run where you go five games without no no points. But, I mean, if you, like you said, get a couple points here, a win here, you know, that should be enough because there's a bunch of bad sides at the bottom of the table. And if you guys get a couple of wins against them, you should be able to stay up. So Yeah. English football's gone through a spell of bad ownership, sort of succeeding a little bit. Look at Derby, the bad ownership. It did, it did work for a while. I think we've got into a time, almost into a time, where the sensible ownership model now seems to be paying off. Um, mm-hmm. Birmingham bit, getting bit by it, Reading getting bit by that by the bad ownership thing. So I think we might be able to cash in on being a very well-run club, hopefully. Yeah. So you said you haven't saw much of the Blades this year. Where do you uh, – you got any idea come the end of the season where you think the Blades would finish? Yeah, I start the season, I fancy playoffs um, because of the squad. Um, but I, after the start, you've got – I see they've just settled so well. I, I, I can't I, – why, why is first and second not – you know, I automatic's not an option. Um, time will tell. I like say we're only seven, seven or eight, or eight games in. Um, but – I, I, I could genuinely see Sheffield United winning the league at Norwich. I don't rate Dean Smith as manager, so I, I don't, I'm not sure how well they'll do. Watford are inconsistent. They've got a young manager in charge. Um, why not? I, I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying we're going to give you the title, but I don't see why automatics isn't out of the question for Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, it's been the last I, three or four weeks when we've had opposing podcasts on uh, that's kind of been the consensus and it, it's so weird sort of hearing that because as a blade you're just kind of always waiting for the other shoe to to drop aren't you um and i'm sure it, in your mind it's kind of a similar thing uh being a rotherham supporter but you know to have this much hope and positivity this early in the season i've just i've not really experienced it um that much as a sheffield united supporter because it in the seasons that we've done well and gotten promoted we usually have a crap start and then Mm. you know on the back half of the season that's when we really make our push um but you know the kind of there's like that still that little bit of doubt in the back of your head like oh this is just a good run here and the other shoe will be dropping very very soon but with that being said, Bramall Lane has been an absolute fortress this season. It's going to be a difficult time for you lot come this Saturday. With that being said, what do you see the result being come full-time on Saturday? Yeah, I, I can't see us winning. Our, our record at Bramall Lane is terrible. I don't think we've won there since 81 or 82, something like that. And we've played quite a few times. Um, I just think it'll have too much for us. I, I would probably say 2-0 to you guys, something like that. There's not going to be loads because I think defensively we are pretty sound. Um, what what you don't want to do is concede to us early because then we will make life so difficult. We'll just sit in, soak up all the pressure, like I've mentioned, that though that pace will then give us a further option. What Watford conceded early and they found it very difficult. Um, so that's what I would say. That's the only caveat. I would, to, I would I prediction 2-0 to you guys, but if we score early, all bets are off. 
Yeah, I mean, Chad and I have talked throughout this season about the importance of early goals. I mean, you mm-hmm. could watch our games last season and just shut them off for the first half because we didn't. We usually didn't concede in the first half, and we definitely didn't score in most of the first halves last season. This season, it's been a different story. We're scoring early and we're scoring often. Um, and you know, I think that we'll need to do the same against your mm-hmm. against you lot um, in order to really put that pressure and drive the screw. Um, so, with that being said, Chad, what What's your score prediction for this coming Saturday? I got to agree with Matt. I think 2-0. I could see Rotherham getting a goal, but like in much to like what he said, I mean, if if we do concede early, yeah, it's going to be a tough fight because, he. I mean, like he said, Rotherham are a good defensive side, especially if they, they go ahead first. But I just think, you know, we're on such a good run right now. I just can't see the momentum being stopped and us going out and running out two nil winners. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a more comfortable, more entertaining game than it was against Hull at the weekend. Cause golly, was that boring Two And that's, that's hard to say when you look at the scoreline, it's two nil. I mean, for a good majority of the game, I thought it, it was like watching paint dry for, for long spells of that game. So yeah, two nil. Let's go with McBurney's goal scoring streak's got to stop at some point. So I'll go and die and Balduck. Balduck. All right. Yeah. That's an yeah. interesting choice. All right. I too am going to go 2 0. Uh, so we have a uh, daily triple there. So uh, bet against us then. It's going to be <laughs> like either 3 1, 2 1, 1 0, 0 0, something like that. <laughs> For goal scorers, I say Illiman and Jaye is probably going to get a goal. Um, and Ahmed Hodzic, off of a corner or a free kick, will probably head one in the back of the net. So those are our score predictions. And Matt, I do want to thank you so much for coming on and having this chat with us. We really appreciate your time. Um, is there anything that you want to plug besides the podcast, including your social media really fast? Uh, no, yet. Yeah, well, New York Talk is our podcast. We'll do. We'll do our preview show after that Friday morning. Um, I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Lax. If you want to follow me on there, uh, some rather nonsense every so often. <laughs> and Chad, where can the people follow you on social media? They can find me at C Jarvis underscore thirteen on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at Nestman930 on Twitter and at SunPuck on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow our podcast on Twitter at Red Sheffield and on Facebook at the Red Half of Sheffield. And this Saturday, we are going to do another watch along with the Chef United Way. Uh, Please join along starting at 2.30 if you're not able to make it to Bramble Lane on Saturday. But until then, when we play Rotherham United in a South Yorkshire derby, up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.